This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Yeah, I mean, they're a, a young team, very fast, and I think they added some uh, smart plays with O'Reilly and Nyquist, and uh, I think that, I mean, they're a good team. I mean, they play super fast. I know Bruno pretty well as a coach, and I know the type of game he likes to coach, and I mean, they're, we're going to expect a very fast, open-minded team and uh, doesn't mind to take chances. Nino Niederreiter playing against his former team tonight, acquired by the Winnipeg Jets for a second-round pick. Uh, in this year's upcoming draft back on February 25th. Who did Nashville draft with that pick? Uh, well, the Jets got, uh, oh, I don't even know. It's this year. It's this year's this, upcoming this draft. Year's pick. Yeah, 2024 second rounders. So so, we don't know yet. So whom will they draft? Well, <laughs> you're asking me to wow. look whomever, into the, the second round is, of this upcoming year. I'm not the right who, guy to talk who, about that. Whomever it is right now. You're no Nino Nina Ryder, <laughs> whoever you are. That's true. And he's off to a great start with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, lots to get to over the course of the show. The Leafs lose yesterday to the Ottawa Senators. We're going to talk about that as the show goes on. Uh, Scott Arneal speaking to reporters in the uh, following the morning skin is a great clip about the penalty kill and how it's changed across the league and sort of the philosophy. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play that. We'll talk about that as well. The morning skate, there was a slight change on the fourth line. Uh, we'll give you that information. Uh, a little bit of, a, I would call it a promotion, wouldn't you say, Jim? I'd say yeah. it's a little bit of a promotion for some good play. Yeah, uh, somebody moving so. to the center of the ice, so we'll get into all that as well. An update on Gabe Velarde uh, still to come, but first, host of the Robbie and our co-host, I should say, of the Robbie and Rex Road Show on 102.5, the game in Nashville, as well as NHL.com correspondent Robbie Stanley joining the show. Hey, Robbie, how you doing? Fellas, I'm doing great. How are y'all? Doing wonderful. Cam just made you the host, so sorry about your partner there. I'm just I look, if you want to kick, kick Rex Road out the door, I'm cool with that. <laughs> no, you guys are too good I together. I'll take over the whole thing. <laughs> you guys are too good together. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so um, uh, head coach uh, Andrew Burnett said following the game against, against, against Calgary uh, on Tuesday that he walked away uh, really disappointed for the first time with his group. Uh, this is sort of something that I've, I've been seeing watching the Nashville Predators. There's been an issue with consistency, and it was certainly on display in the two games through Alberta and Edmonton and then followed by Calgary. Yeah, no question. They looked really good against Edmonton. And, you know, as we all know, Edmonton has their own set of problems right now, which has been pretty incredible to watch so far this year. But Ryan O'Reilly gets the hat trick. I thought the Predators played a really sound, solid road game. And they looked like they were in control the whole time in that game. And, you know, the Predators led two to nothing after the first period the other night in Calgary. They were getting outshot 17 to six and really weren't getting anything generated offensively other than the two plays that they actually connected on for their goals there. So just a slow start from the Predators. They really never got their legs going in that game. UC Soros, I thought, you know, despite the four goals in the game that Calgary scored. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, that game could have been eight or nine to two, if not for UC Soros. So a bad game from the Predators. Really, you know, their record's five and seven, so obviously it's not a great start to the season for them. They've actually played, I think, a little bit better than their record would indicate, but certainly not very good against Calgary on Tuesday. 
And that's what makes tonight's game kind of ominous for a team like the Jets coming off the road, uh, two straight wins. And then, of course, they got this team coming in that didn't like how they finished on the road. Um, This team always matches up well. This is a huge rivalry in the Central Division for the Jets, maybe dissipated a little bit over the past couple of years. How do you think these two teams match up, Robbie? Always like uh, the visiting team's perspective on what the Jets have done this year. Yeah, I've been really impressed with the Jets so far. And you guys were were talking about Nino Niederreiter, obviously somebody that I'm very familiar with. He's off to a great start this year, so that's been good to see. And, you know, the Predators, you know, they're transitioning from John Hines to Andrew Burnett. And under Andrew Burnett, they try to play more of a speed game, more of a transition game. And he wants to get the puck moving north-south much quicker than they're used to. And the players have talked about it. I mean, it's been an adjustment. It's a new system. It's a new way of doing things. And really a new way of really thinking about the game when you get into the offensive zone uh, that Andrew Burnett is trying to preach to these guys. So that's been a work in progress to see what that's going to be like. They've actually, you know, they, they've overhauled a lot of the team too. Johansson's mm-hmm. gone. Duchesne's gone. You got O'Reilly and Nyquist and uh, Luke Shen's been hurt, but he's come in and he's had a big impact on the locker room. So it's a changing of the guard to some degree for the Predators. And, you know, there, it's been a mixed bag of results this year. You know, Philip Forsberg, who you guys are obviously very familiar with, mm-hmm. I think he's played really well. The point total's good. He's only got two goals on the year, and he's shooting like, I, know, I think his percentage last time I looked was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 3 or 4%. So <laughs> that's going to change at some point. The puck's going to start to go in for him with the way that he's playing. But uh, right now, the team is not really built well enough offensively to sustain goal droughts from Philip Forsberg. Ryan O'Reilly's playing really well. Roman Yossi looks like Roman Yossi out there, but they need Forsberg to start putting the puck in the back of the net. Interesting you mentioned that. It's two teams tonight um, from these battles over the years that are changing in the guard. I know Pierre-Luc Dubois wasn't here for long, but Blake Wheeler's gone. You mentioned Johansson mm-hmm. and Duchesne. Uh, it's kind of interesting how these two organizations have sort of gone in a different direction at the same time. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, I, I think probably needed to some degree for both organizations. You know, the Predators, you know, and, and I think we've talked about this before, the fan base and, and really management as a whole, everybody had gotten to the point where, they had made the playoffs for a bunch of years in a row, and they had very little to show for it outside of the trip to the Stanley Cup Final in 2017, the great series against Winnipeg in 2018 that went seven games that was just an epic battle between those two teams. And since then, they had not been to the second round. So it's been good enough to make the playoffs, not really good enough to do anything once you get there, and the fan base was tired of it. So you change the coach, David Poyle uh, retires, Barry Trotz comes in, and they missed the playoffs last year, but the fan base was kind of okay with it. You know, you're resetting, you're stockpiling assets for the future, and it's been interesting to see kind of the young guys come in and take a hold of that. Now, they also, you know, they signed O'Reilly and Nyquist, and they brought in a bunch of veterans in the offseason, too. So there's a nice mix of young talent and some veterans that have done a lot of winning in the league. You know, Barry Trotz calls, especially a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, serial winners and wants him to set an example for some of their young guys. But when you look at Winnipeg, when you look at Nashville – very different looking team. Still some guys that are a part of kind of the old guard there, but mm-hmm. it's been fun to watch how both teams have kind of transitioned and embraced that new direction. Yeah, and it's a retool on the on the fly. I mean, I remember David Poyle when he was the general manager referred to it as a as a competitive rebuild, and that was the philosophy moving forward. It wasn't going to absolutely tank like the Coyotes of the last few years or what we're seeing right now with the San Jose Sharks. And I, I mean, it's my opinion. I think that's sort of the way to go in this situation. Do you, do you feel like Barry Trotz is sort of continuing on that philosophy? I think he is. I mean, look, I, I think a lot of Predators fans were willing to kind of tank or, or tear it down a little bit 
And it's clear, like, when you have UC Soros and that, just like with Hellebuck in Winnipeg, like, you're never going to be that bad with those guys in net where you can really tank. I mean, those guys are too good. So I think Trotz looks at it as you still have Forsberg, you have Yossi, you have Soros kind of in the prime of his career right now. Can you bring the young guys along while being, you know, trying to remain as competitive as, as possible in the process of it? And I, I'm really interested to see how they thread that needle. Some teams in the past have done that, and they've been able to thread that needle and get back into contention. Some teams, you kind of hang around in mediocrity so long that you eventually have to end up tearing it down anyway. So I'm interested to see how the Predators do that. But there's no question, I think Barry Trotz is trying to thread that needle, and that's why you bring in guys like O'Reilly mm. and Nyquist, and he loves Ryan McDonough with the way that he's played and, and obviously the success that he's had. And we'll see how it goes for him. It's been a, an up-and-down start to this point, but I think for the most part they've been happy with how they played. You know, and Robbie, I was going to mention that. Like, if you're going to go in a different direction and and not got it but a retool, but something that sends you in that way, no better way to go than with McDonough and Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly especially, seven goals this year. Oh, he's a stud. When he was signed to this deal and at 32, and we know Toronto was interested but the cap and all that, if you're going to go in a different direction, you went in bringing a Captain Stanley Cup champion like that, I mean, that's whatever direction you're hoping to go into, that's the direction that guy will take you in. There's no question about it, and it's pretty clear to me, you know, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, with Barry Trotz kind of being around here, it felt like he was, he was ready to get those guys out of here really no matter what it took. So he, he ate half the salary yeah, not, for not, Johansson. Not, don't about that, Robbie. I, I that's didn't exactly want, what That's kind of what I was saying with O'Reilly, Robbie. It's kind of like he seems more like a Trotz kind of guy, a winning kind yeah, of guy. Yeah. And, yeah. There's no question about it. And, look, you know, we kind of joked about it this year. I'll be honest with you, when they, when they signed Ryan O'Reilly, I loved the thought of it, I loved the player, but I did sit there and I said, really, a four-year deal for a guy that's 32 and has as much wear and tear as he's got? I don't know that I love that contract. And then I've been around Ryan O'Reilly now for about two months, and I totally get it. Like I, I totally get why you make a move like that. Number one, on the ice, he's been fantastic so far, so there's that part of it. But number two, like people throw this cliche around too much in, in sports, and I kind of hate it, to be honest with you. But he, as somebody who's waited to talk to him multiple times, he is the first person on the ice, and he is the last person off the ice. And it is evident every time that he spends as much time out there as possible with his teammates, working with young guys. He's very vocal in the room. Like If you ask players, like, that even players like Yossi and Forsberg, who have been there for a long time, they can. They will not stop talking about Ryan O'Reilly and just the impact that he's had on the locker room. And you know he's done everything there is to do. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He's won the Conn Smythe. He's been a part of great teams in St. Louis. He's been a captain. And I, I think the, the hope from Barry Trotz is that those sort of habits rub off on the rest of his guys, and that ex- that accelerates the process of what. It's kind of a retool on the fly here. And I know O'Reilly's like a big music guy, but um, so is Duchesne. But O'Reilly's the kind of guy who would put that secondary where Duchesne, I think everything's primary. Like, I like music, so I'm going to focus. Like, it just, I, yeah. I don't know him personally, but he won't let the music and the, his passion for this city that he's now playing in get in the way of his hockey career. Sorry, we're out of time. Yeah, Ro- Robbie, we got to go here. Host of Robbie and Rex wrote the 102.5, the game in Nashville, NHL.com correspondent. Robbie, you take care, okay? And uh, talk next time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All the best, Robbie. All right, let's uh, take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Uh, 
Oh, I know that uh, you got Andrew Burnett who was on the show. Was on Robbie's show today. Uh, Ryan McDonough is either going to be in tonight or he's going to go back in on on Saturday. He's been day to day over the last little bit. But uh, Nashville's an interesting team, Jim. I mean, Tommy Novak, he's talking about sort of those guys, up-and-comers, points in six of his last seven yeah. games. Luke Evangelista, who I really like, uh, eight points in his last eight games, a goal and seven assists. Um, and and I, I like what they're doing here. I mean, this isn't a total teardown, and I don't think that they needed to. I totally agree with Barry Trotz. When you have those players, you got... Um, you know, you it's, have UC Soros. I mean, you still have Philip Johansson. You have Roman Yossi. There's no reason to t- tear it down to the to the pegs here and start over. That doesn't always work. And I just look at San Jose and I just get depressed. It depresses it's the same me. as the Jets, right? When you got Connor Ehlers, you didn't know about Shifley, but if you got Hellebuck, Shifley, and Morrissey, you don't have to tear it down, but you do need to go in a different direction. And they have. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Welcome back to the show, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Loren Brassois took the warm-up, taking shots in his home in the home net this morning. He will be starting. Uh, small change to the lineup, nothing major. Connor Shifley, Iofalo, uh, Perfetti, Nemesnikov, Ehlers, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton. Uh, Baron Kupari... Gustafson has seen a bit of a change with Kupari uh, being moved to the right wing and then Gustafson taking over the center. Uh, Gus did play some uh, period of time at center uh, against St. Louis. Also was five for one on faceoffs. Uh, 13 uh, faceoff wins, 11 faceoff losses so far this year um, at 54.2%, while Kupari's had been about 44.8% on the on the faceoff dot. Um, I, I think beyond all that, I think David Gustafson has been playing fantastic and and, you know, while he's not going to be, you're not going to be moving him up to play with Perfetti, Nemestikoff, and Ehlers, you're certainly not going to break up Niederreiter, Lowry, or Appleton, and you're not going to be putting up there to play with uh, Connor and Shifley. Um, it's a bit of a promotion to move him down the middle of the ice. I think it shows that there's a lot of trust in the game that he's been playing. I think it is, and he's a center. I know Kupari is too, but one of them is playing, and this, I'm not knocking Kupari. Kupari is such a young player that what yeah. he's struggling with, um, I think, is normal for his experience and age. 100%. But Gustafson's a little older and maybe not as experienced because of the injuries, but he's playing well. And so let's put him back to where he, if people remember when he has gotten in the lineup the past couple of years before getting injured, he's been at center. Yeah, natural um, position. He's looked good on the wing. He's got two goals and, and put him down the middle and see what he can get done. And uh, five and one in the faceoff circle when he played center in the last game. Yep, no, absolutely. So good for uh, Gustafson. We'll see how that thing works out here as well. Scott O'Neill uh, did give an update on Gabe Velarde uh, skating around earlier this morning for the first time since his injury with a brace on his leg. Uh, so he is uh, getting closer to a return. When that is, we don't know. Uh, the timeline, uh, when it initially happened uh, in that game against L.A., which was 23 days ago, and if I'm if I'm correct, it was on October 17th, I'll double check that. I'm pretty sure it was October 17th against LA. Um, it's been 23 days since then on a four to six weeks on his, and an MCL sprain, uh, 28 days to 42 days. So he's right in that timeline, uh, getting ready to return. It was the 17th. So, um, so, I mean, that's, I mean, again, that's good news, good news for the jets and, and good news for Gabe Velarde. I'm sure he's itching to get back in the lineup. I would think so. He went on the road trip too. didn't skate on the road trip, but did today. Um, it could be off. I mean, four to six weeks with these kinds of things is just that. It could be four, could be six, could be yeah. five, could be four and a half. So good that he's back on the ice. 
Um, and, and really good, Cam, we talked about this. Like I, I, we both agreed. We thought it was time that the, the number one line sort of get going again yeah. and contribute. And they were on fire against St. Louis. If they could bring him back in, and, and this is the, the text we're going to start getting, right? Now that Velarde's skating is, where do you put Iafalo? Where What's do you put Velarde? Text right now, yeah. where do you guys think Iafalo will play? Where do you put them all? Um, I think you move Iafalo down, because when Velarde was there, that line was really great. And that line was at its best when Velarde was there, save for the St. Louis game. Without a doubt. Absolutely. So um, I, I think you do put Velarde back up there, and... Um, you go from there, but but as good as Iafalo's played too, that'll just make another line better as well. Yeah, and, and I think you just moved Nemestikov back to the spot he started the year with. I think you move him back yeah. down to the fourth line, um, and I think right now oh, I think I, Gustafson. I don't know if you break up that third, do you? No, you don't. Need a Ryder Lowry. You, you yeah. totally keep an Appleton. You keep those guys together, but I think you move Nemestikov into where Kapari is right now, and I think Kapari becomes at this moment right now that thirteenth forward, uh, and then Iafalo, you find a spot with him with Perfetti and Ehlers. That's where. I, that's what I think you do yeah i don't know if you take kapari out i i mean somebody's got to go it's not baron it's not gustafson right now as of this moment like on the defense with logan stanley um and declan chisholm it's real easy decision to yeah like it just these guys are here and if somebody gets injured or or has a couple bad games then we'll give them a look and if not blah 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 yeah it's a different scenario when these come in like kapari has not been terrible he's he's not no He's not deserving of being in the lineup night in, night out. Yeah. And so it's a different situation, right? And then if Vili Hainola gets healthy, then it becomes a different situation, like I'm seeing with the forwards mm-hmm. for the defense, because now is it Nate Schmidt that comes out? Is it, you know, um, who comes out because Vili's ready and, and was probably in the starting lineup to begin with? Um, but as of right now, like I said, the defense is real easy to me. It's we're healthy and these are the guys and, and the two that are waiting um, are waiting. It's not the same in the forwards when Velarde's healthy. There's some guys that I think have played well, and it'll be hard to. But then you don't take Gustafson out either, right? And mm-hmm. you're not taking Baron off. That's right. So you might be right with Kupart. Yeah, I just think that he's. I think Gustafson, as of right now, is the edge on the on the depth chart. I I, I just think he's played that well. I think he's done that good of a job. And Maybe it is Gustafson. I don't know. But it might he's be, played well. Well, well, we might, well, we'll wait and see what happens there. <laughs> the decision is certainly not up to me. Um, but anyways, two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty. That's what I think is going to happen. That's that's my uh, that's my um, that's my opinion. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Two power play goals for the Winnipeg Jets against St. Louis. They're now four for eight uh, over their last eight uh, man advantage opportunities coming off that O and for 20 slump, um, you know, against the weakest power play in the league. Having said all that, they only had one uh, a penalty that they had to kill in St. Louis back on Tuesday. Having said all that, it was still a clean sheet for the penalty kill. It was still uh, a chance to to build some momentum, to get a good feeling, some confidence in the room when you go up against the National Predators who have a much better power play. Uh, and this is interesting because, Jim, because this is something we've talked about, and I remember you mentioned it several times about how you've seen sort of the schemes around, the systems around the penalty kill changing. And Scott Arneal, uh, the associate coach of the Winnipeg Jets, was asked that today about how the philosophy around the PK has changed around the league. Winning faceoffs and getting the clears is one. There's, there's, I mean, this game's evolved in the last few years with our PK power plays, different looks at, um, you know, a few years ago, everybody was doing the trap down, trap down, the forwards never stopped chasing down in the corners. And now everybody's kind of got a little bit more passive and it's um, 
kind of let the power play have the outside of the ice. Don't waste all your energy chasing them. So it does allow for a little bit more zone time, but it takes away the quality chance. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, when you have chances to be aggressive and get after them, you have to be. And then the, the, the clears are so important that it's got to get outside that blue line so that you can reset or get your line change, whatever needs to happen. But um, and we that would probably be an area for eight, me that I've talked to our group about is especially the first five or six games we had a lot of times that, where we had possession and we didn't get it down the ice and we weren't allowed to get our change, and now we're real, real tired on those situations. So what do you think about that, Jim? Well, I agree with him, and, and I think even before the forwards were trapped down in the corners, they there was that year or two or three or lo- longer that where they would pressure the point, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody got a point defenseman that could actually really handle and move the puck, and then that That's became right. a little dangerous. Um, so it, it's... Uh, I agree with his assessment there. I, that's what I've noticed on the penalty kills is just a lot of collapsing and not Vegas yeah. does that. Yeah. Vegas basically within the, the, the face-off circles. And so the two face-off circles, you got your D man yeah. down low. You got, they're not going really out to the point. They're not really going into the corner. Um, the D man goes out, forces the pass and they just sort of have this box and they let their goalie, you know, see as much as they can and make saves and they don't let you go really to the net and they want everything from the outside. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's sort of like a situation where you got to pick your spots. You know what I mean? Stay yeah. in formation, stick around. And then when you have a chance to be aggressive, make the right read. You know what I'm saying? And, and then, and then get the puck out. I mean, that's what, that's what it is going on here and conserve your energy. You know, don't tire yourself out chasing the puck. Yeah. Um, you know, but I've I've seen teams, and it's it's interesting because it was only a couple of years ago when every penalty kill was so aggressive, so aggressive, pressure yeah, the point, totally. If you got to pass through, great, and that's when the tic tac toes started working. Um, it was it was right around the time too. They didn't want the pass to go to Ovechkin or Line A in that mm-hmm. spot or or to Stamkos. Um, but how it evolves and and how it's changed is, is interesting to me because. You know the boxing is where you get all your deflections and stuff. But if you got a world class goalie, I mean, let keep him make him, let him make saves and, and keep him to the outside. Keep, keep everything to the outside. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the power play, like I mentioned earlier, four for eight over their last eight chances, uh, coming off that zero for twenty slump. Mark Scheifele was asked if he saw signs that the PP was going to turn it around. Uh, at times, yeah. You know, I haven't liked it. Uh, you know, every game, but. Um you know, I think it's it's a matter of getting used to each other. There's been a you know a lot of different guys, obviously in different areas, and um, you know, obviously it depends against uh, you know different kills and stuff like that. But um, you know, it'll be another tough test tonight, and just have to kind of kind of can can build on a build on a good one last game, and just continue to go to the right areas, and, and good things will happen. Yeah, I agree with that, Shifley. There were some times when the power play wasn't moving the puck; they weren't being quick enough. Uh, they were forecasting exactly what they were doing, and it was easy to slow down. They needed to start moving the puck, and that's what they've done. Yeah, that's what I saw from it. It was going yeah. too slow. It wasn't going fast enough. And what really pointed it out to me was watching I mean, I saw it a little bit, and then I saw the Rangers power play and how the they were in their, their spots. Those guys yeah. are real familiar with each other, don't totally. get me wrong, and highly skilled, but they knew exactly where each other would be, and they moved the puck fast enough to get it to them so they could get the shots off. So that Zabinijad goal against the Jets was a prime example of nothing really new, but, man, did it get there quick. Let's uh, squeeze some text messages in here. 204-780-6868. Rob G uh, says Gustafson will be the 13th floor forward and Kapari will be uh, the guy that stays up. Uh, this texter says, uh, disagrees with me. He says Gustafson leaves. Come on. Ville doesn't play either when he's ready to come back from that texter. All right. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. We'll wait and see. Hey, I might be wrong. 204-780-6868. 
Uh, 204-780-6868. Also, this texter says, uh, it's time to put Stanley into the game and sit Samberg. I've liked Samberg's game. So have I. Yeah, so have I. Yeah. Um, You know what really is good, though, is Brendan Dillon, we were talking about this yesterday off the air. He had a kind of rough start to the season, but since he was with Pionk. Yeah. He's been really good, mm-hmm. really good. And and a lot of people have been texting us this week saying, you know, you guys should talk about the defense and, and how it needs improving or what they might do with it or what's going on and everything like that and who to keep, right? And then there was the debate in our newsroom yesterday that if everybody, if you could keep one free agent defenseman, would it be Samber or would it be DeMello or Dylan? Yeah. Because of the cost and if you sign Nino, like what the cap will be and stuff. And yep. to me, that's more of a depth issue, like where you got, if Billy's going to come in and play the right side. Left side. Left side, sorry, um, who goes, who stays. I just think Sandberg is – I'm not writing Brendan Dillon off. I yeah. just think to keep Brendan Dillon is going to cost you $5 million. Yeah. that's and and Or more. That's and the, the, if Sandberg can do that, but to lose him would be huge. I like DeMello as well. I really do. The, and as you always point out, they don't have a lot of right – Right-handed defense. No, the next guy coming up is Elias Solomonson on the right side. In terms of who they have within the organization right now, he's in Sweden. Um, you know, the, the organization certainly uh, uh, thinks highly of him, but he's nowhere near Dylan DeMello at this point so, and won't be for a number of years. So I, that, to me, and, and I spoke with Dylan DeMello about this personally, and, and he wants to stay here in Winnipeg, and I, I think – that's a guy that you really look at after Dino Niederreiter. Uh, and a, after that has been taken care of when, and if that's going to happen in the middle of the season, again, remains to be seen. I think Dylan DeMello is another guy you really look at because that rights, that right shot, that right side um, is, is, is in terms of, in terms of depth, um, uh, something that you really need to show. So up. do you, do you maybe keep them both and cap wise move on from a forward or two? Like say you resign Nino. Yeah. And then you want to keep Dylan and DeMello for at least, I mean, they're 32 and 30 for three more years. Yeah. Three years, five mil, three years, whatever, four years. Like, do you, I don't know, like you've got Rutger McGordy, Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert, all these people that are, like, I think Rutger McGordy is going to be, at least be with the Moose next year. Yeah, without a, yeah. At the sure. least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I don't know if you don't sort of sit here and, and make a deal to augment something out of your... I think that that's where the change is going to have to come because, you know, uh, I, I think you have the guys on the left side right now. I think you got Dylan Sabri, Ville Hainala coming up. Because you got to pay Elias Solomon's on, on the right side. Perfetti's got to get paid. He's just going to continue to fight for, for top minutes. I think the decision has to come at forward. That's the thing. So if you're dealing a defenseman that is pending, the one I think you get the most for is Brendan Dillon. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't. I, I wouldn't do it this year. I think they're yeah. playoff bound and blah, blah, blah. But if you had to move on from somebody, or do you sign them and move on from a forward? I, I mean, the, the forward core that that makes money is the top six. Yeah, yeah. That's see, this is this is the decision I think has to be made with, with Nikolai Ehlers next year. I think that's the decision has to be. It's, well, it's a decision for next year. That's the name I'm looking at. Yeah. Like I, I, you you have Nemestikov. He's going to be. Uh, he's become a UFA at the end of the year. Mason Appleton. I think a guy you want. You're going to want to keep. He's a UFA. Um, and Domestikov Appleton, I, you can relatively, yeah. you know, they make two, yeah, one and a half. You can get them for three, maybe less, yeah, as long as you give them term, yeah. But if you want to keep Brendan Dillon and DeMello, 
and you can you, you package up like a defenseman, Stanley yeah. or somebody with Nick, and you go get something back. But yeah. whatever you get for Nick is going to be significant, and that's going to cost money. Yeah, and again, you 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 have to look at is it going to be an improvement now, and where is the team right now? And it's a decision for next year. It really adds up to me, Cam. That total decision. They're going to have year. to move on from one of them. Yeah, or they're going to have to move somebody to keep them. There's not enough spots. There isn't. And if everybody is going to develop and find that and get that opportunity and grow into the player that the Winnipeg Jets organization feels that they are, Brad Lambert's off to a great start with the Moose. You know, he's going to be really fighting for a spot on this roster next year. Like I, and I don't know about next year, but I just think one of those forwards can contribute next year. But if you, and this is only from the line, if you're like, they might be sitting there going, one of these two, we're going to let walk. Brad Lambert has to be next year. If he's going to be on the Jets, got to be in the top six. He's not. You're not going to bring him in and play him in the fourth line. Yeah, but but if like I'm, I'm. They might be sitting there and going, "No, we're keeping our forward core. We've got good young forwards coming up, and we're just going to bite the bullet on one of the defensemen and let him walk." Yeah, but I'm just going along the lines. If they do want to keep both of them and package up a forward with some of their depth, D, they they have to. They have to do it that way in order to make it work under the cap. With, Even though the cap's going up four and a half. Hundred percent. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Two oh four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. The Leafs win less in five of their last six. That's a shame. Sheldon Keefe. Kiefer. Kiefer. Ain't so happy. Take it easy, Kiefer. We'll be right back. Easy. Play the clip after this. Easy now. Jets at noon on six eight CJOB. It's early. You know, maybe it's maybe it's too early in a lot of guys' minds, but you know, it's it's time to time to pull it together here. We gotta we gotta get our game in order and do all that we can to take care of each other. Take care of guys who are struggling, whatever position it is, the team, the cohesion of the group, the process that you play with should take care of everybody. Um, and that's where we've been disconnected at times. It's just it's just uh you know, this is different than some of the things we've gone through in the past. You know, so this is the group's got to really pull together here. As head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sheldon Keefe, the Leafs losing to Ottawa uh, yesterday, 6-3, uh, blowing that game. Uh, they're ahead. They, they tie the game, <laughs> make it 3-3 in the third period, and then they give up the next three goals, uh, falling to the Ottawa Senators here. And you know what? And, and Keefe brought up a point later on in that press conference about how much changeover um they've had you know tyler bertuzzi max domi uh ryan reeves uh, joins the team uh, uh, amongst a slew of john klingbert who's not been great amongst a slew of other guys i mean it's it's almost a completely different team this year for the leafs and i still think the leafs are a good team uh but i think it's going to take some time for these guys to come together because it's and this is just the situation like the leafs next year regardless of how well they do, are going to be in an exact same position where they're going to have to a lot of turnover and they're going to have to figure out how to play with each other next year. I didn't too. like the Bertuzzi signing. I don't think he's a fit there, but they've got plenty of time to do it. One yeah. year, $5 million. Um, I do like Domi. I don't know if at that price, but I thought he could help. Um, but he's right. They're going through things they're not used to going through. And they've got to figure out a way. Cam, I flipped back and forth between that game last night. When it was 3-3, I'm like, well, here they go against Ottawa. They're going to pull this out like they did against yeah. Tampa. Like that 6-5 win over Tampa is nothing to be proud of. No, it wasn't. They, they came back and they they have to – they're not a team that should have – they can come back like that, but they're not a team that should have to. I'm not talking about how they give up leads and, and lose games like last night or come back and win in overtime. They're a team – 
that at this stage should be coming out and putting their foot down early and, and getting a lot of 5-2 wins and leaving the first period up 2 nothing. Pre-game gets going at 5, puck drop at 7. But it's a real Jets, shame. Oh, I'm so it's heartbroken. Real, real heartbroken. Jets, <laughs> Predators, Canada Life Center. Jim told to take you all the way to 3 o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Fortier, producer. Oh, that's it for me. Same time. More. See ya. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.